Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com You are now listening to The Professional girl Ebony from the professional homegirl podcast the only place where you will hear interviews from women of color anonymously on stories that will enlighten and expand on taboo topics now if you hear someone that sounds familiar mind the business that pays you child please support the show by leaving a five-star review buy some merch or simply share these stories with your professional homegirls you never know these storylines can be someone else's lifeline. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous. So let's begin this week's episode. Wow. God bless your grandmother. That is a, I wouldn't wish that sight on anybody. Like, but for, for your grandmother to see that, like, I can't even imagine how this affected your family. Right. So he ran out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he left, and my brother had left, but, you know, maybe he was outside, but he had left and went to, went to the store with his friends. Man, if he was there? Yeah, so he wasn't there, so he by the time he came back, the ambulance was putting me in, in the ambulance. So right. when he first pulled up, he's like, what happened, like? And I just left. <laughs> who's, yeah, who's getting in the ambulance? Like, right. what's going on? And then when he saw it was me, he's like, what happened? What happened? Wow. So the next thing you remember was you woke up in the hospital where you found out you were stabbed over 30 times, your right arm was paralyzed, your skull fractured, and you were temporarily blind. So when they told you the news, like, did you believe it? No. 
I was, I, oh my goodness. So, it was so traumatizing that I had post-traumatic seizures. Right. So, they had to just try and be so mindful of just even talking around me. You know, and, oh my goodness, you know, like, this is causing seizures, so. Right. Yeah, I, I had no idea, and had no idea the road to recovery at that point. And then you was also paralyzed for a month. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, because, okay, so initially when I got to the hospital, I suffered shock and I was unconscious. Mm. So after me no longer being unconscious, um, and just from the shock and everything, I was always so heavily medicated. Mm -hmm. And it was, it seemed like every time I woke up, it just felt like something else. Like, oh my God, like what else? Right. Like they be bringing me more pain medicine and I'm out. Right. <laughs> so like I woke up one day, I remember waking up and they were like, we got to wash your hair. I was like, wash my hair? Like, aren't I in a hospital? Why are they talking about washing my hair? And I guess they felt like that at this point, like we've seen like a lot of her injuries, but we never got to really like clean her up. And so they were like, you don't understand your head is covered in blood. Mm. All I can remember was like, I just got my hair done. Right. <laughs> like went to the beauty parlor like a few days before this. You know, black women don't play about their hair child. Yes. And they were like, no, 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 trust me. And I'm like, how can it be covered in? I, like I said, I didn't really realize the injuries. And um, I guess the nurse was just like getting so fresh and trying to explain it to me. So also, but you was also out of it. So when you I came so back, to you, yeah. I guess she said, you know what? Let me just show her. So what she did was she she took my hand and she said, feel it. And she put my hand there. And this whole, all of this. So what happened was, whole side was covered. He stabbed me back here. Uh, that's very close. Right, right next to my jugular. So all of this was covered in blood. And so I said, okay, so they give me up and they gave me to this bathroom. And I go by a mirror and I'm like, oh my goodness. So I didn't realize this was the first time me going in front of a mirror. I didn't realize that he stabbed me right here on the outside of my feet. And then he stabbed me here and cut open my whole nose. All they did was they stitched it up under me. But of course, me going by the mirror, all of this was like stitches. Right. And then he um, carries the hair, right? like my lips. Yo, it is a blessing that you are still here with us. And this, how long has this been? Like 20, 25 years ago? 30 something now. That was in. Wow. That was in 86. Wow. Y'all, she still look good, y'all. If anything happened, I got my money on her. <laughs> <laughs> and you. I know he was calling you when he checked himself into the hospital. Do you think the one of the main reasons why he didn't serve jail time is, is because he came for money? Yeah, I think that that was it. Um, I, I just recently, on the last television show that I did, 
I met a detective that was on the force at that time. Wow. And he told me that they were given the instructions of focusing more on that was when they had just started with the war drugs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, crack was just coming out. You know, kids, it was more younger people with drugs and drug trafficking and all of that. And so, in my case, they basically looked at it like they knew each other. This probably was just a lover's quarrel. And That's a hell of a lover's quarrel. It's, <laughs> You know, in the, back in those days, in 1986, they didn't recognize domestic violence. Oh, especially with black women. Especially with black women. Especially you're talking about young people. Right. Like now we see a lot more teen dating violence. Right. And partner violence. But back and Now then, we have the language too. Now we have the language and we, we know the signs and everything, but... Back then, they really didn't. So they felt like, oh, if they knew each other, there was probably a little bit more to it. And it was just easier to dismiss it, slap on the wrist. He said he'll never do it again. That's, That's scary. Very scary. Because he also went to, he enlisted in the army. And I'm like, how is that possible? Because what he did was, um, this is where, um, at that time, where the justice system failed us. What they did was, we kept coming back and forth to court. They kept continuing it. Well, you don't know the laws and you don't know um, the tricks of the trade. And you got to think about, he had the best defense to attorneys that money could buy. So I'm sure that they were more um, closer with the judge type of thing. Right. And my attorney was just like, oh, you know, well, we'll see what they say. And the final time that we were supposed to come to court, the attorney, by this time I'm back in New York, um, the attorney called my mom and told her there was no need for us to come, that they would argue it down. And this is like a year later and see what happened. And that attorney allowed them to do a plea deal and not have a trial with the mm. jury and let the judge decide and okay, that would have so, been the easier way out for him yes and so that's what they did it was so much easier so what they did was they said oh he'll pay a little bit of restitution he'll pay the court fines we'll give him um i think it was like seven years probation or something if he ever gets in trouble again they'll have to do the time um, and they they knocked it down from where it would have been attempted murder. They knocked it down to a misdemeanor of unlawful assault. Hmm. Which means like if somebody just accidentally bumps into you, that's really like what it justifies. Or you hit somebody, but you didn't, oh, I didn't mean it or whatever. Um, so that's how he was able to go into the military um, because they knocked it down. And he went into the military, but from what I understand, he still assaulted someone within that time frame of that probationary period of those seven years. 
and again he got a slap on the wrist that victim never came forward when this all came out again she mm. didn't want to testify because she felt like if he got away with it with her back then he would probably get away with it again right do you think that the first because i don't think this is his first time doing it either do you think the first do you think the people before him because i'm surprised nobody else has or have people came out previous survivors came out and said that he did this to them as well or no okay so um when i was in the hospital his parents were at my hospital bed like every day wow that's why i said i know that i wasn't the first victim they were trying to make sure they don't catch a body yes um what better place to be at to see what's going on you can hear what the doctors are saying. You can see. Oh, that's scary. Very scary. And so my family, not dealing with this ever before, they didn't know what they were up to. And they were there every day. And then finally. And they, they, probably they, was, they probably was willing to pay for stuff too. They were. So what they did was they, they were there every day and they pretended that they were not they did not condone what he did. Wow. They were like, oh, we can't believe he did this. This is horrible. Oh my God, I hope she's going to survive. That type of thing. Well, once they started seeing, I guess, that, okay, maybe she's going to survive this, they said to my mother one day, they said, well, maybe we could, um, because I just turned 18, they were basically, they were waiting to see, like, does she want to press charges? Because I was 18. Right. And so they said to my mother, they said, well, maybe we can all discuss this and come up with some kind of agreement so she won't press charges. Wow. And my mother said, absolutely not. I don't know what else she said. I'm sure it was probably some choice words. Right. <laughs> But um, she said absolutely not, and never come back here again. Yeah, you can't put a price tag on my child's head. What's wrong with you? Price tag at all. And so she told them. She basically told them, "You might as well get ready because no, we're pressing charges. Right. We're going to the fullest with this." And so that's how I I know that no, I wasn't the first, and we know that it definitely definitely wasn't the last i think the victim after me i think they coerced that person into um letting it be a lesser charge or whatever um of course they didn't mention me but they probably said oh you know it's gonna ruin his life and this and that he didn't mean it he'll never come around you again or whatever they had to do to make this person feel like he's out of your life um and he got away with it. And then... Wait, is this the one? Because I know in 2010, he attacked his ex-girlfriend and he bit off a piece of her face. Is that the one? No. Wow. This is one before her. That is crazy. He needs to be under the jail. <laughs> so the next one, he attacked her before 2010. Wow. It's had her a few years before that. Okay. She pressed charges. Okay. He got away with it. He comes back 
a couple of years later, in 2010, and he confronts her again. This time, she's like, I already know you from the last time. Right. So she knew not to run in the house because he, he came to her house unannounced. He was outside waiting for her. So it takes you back to my situation. Remember I told you about the stalking? Like, you didn't go to right. church. Where were you? Yeah. Then it brings it full circle. So he, once she saw that he had been sitting out there, she ran and jumped back in her car. And that's where he chased her down, rammed her car hard enough that he knocked the whole bumper off. What? Yeah, jumped out, broke the door open. Oh, you gotta run this nigga over. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They were at a red, she was at a red light thinking she had lost him. And meanwhile, he is on her. My God, so, that is so scary. Yes. So when he when he yanked her door open, she started like trying to punch him, trying to fight him. And he was hitting her back. And then he started, he grabbed her. And what did he learn in the military? Wow. He learned how to try and gouge out somebody's eyes. So he was trying to gouge out her eyes. And while he was doing that, she was screaming and fighting him. One of his his pinky got in her mouth and she bit it. And she bit him hard enough that he let her go. Well, that's what made him so mad that she had the nerve to bite him. And so he decided, I'll bite you back. And so then he, he bit off her face. Bit off her face. Oh my God. That is heartbreaking. And the same thing. He's, he, he spit it out on the ground. He jumped in his car and he went back home. Man. <laughs> oh, man. You really don't know people. That is so scary. When you hear this story, like, with your story, and like, it, still saying, yeah. Like, this is crazy. So what they did was, for his defense, was they tried to blame it on the military. But he was like this before the military. Well, that's where I come in at. Right. <laughs> So I came in as a surprise witness. Mm. Let them know. I know he was shocked when he saw you. He was. He was. Definitely. Him and his parents were really shocked. What do you think in cases like this, do you think the parents should also be responsible? Um. Yes. I do. Do you think that that would ever happen eventually? Like like some type of law or something? Because let's say if the parents didn't know, after so many situations, something got to be like, okay, we have a problem here. Yes. And the fact that you keep on making sure to get him the best defense lawyers and, you know, you're coming up with all the reasons of why it wasn't his fault and it was because this happened or it's right. that happened. And I feel like this, like, nobody wants to admit that their child is a monster. But if, if you don't do anything but warn the other person. Right. That's what I think. So. Wow. What did your recovery look like? Mm. 
Because I know also you had to relearn your like your basic motor skills. Yes, my basic motor skills, um, reading, writing. Um, it was really, it was really hard. It was really hard because they told me I would always have migraines for the rest of my life. Um, it was Were hard. You? Yes. It was hard with the memory loss. That was really difficult. Um, everything. Not knowing I'll never be able to learn how to dance. Um, it was just difficult. It was really hard making. And so many, t and depression and PTSD and, you know, you go through the emotions of my fault. What I didn't see, what I did see, you know, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. How did this affect your family? Because I know your mom was probably like. Oh, yeah. My whole family was devastated. Right. Uh, my parents, they were just like, oh, my goodness. Like, she was in New York where you think, well, you know, one of the roughest neighborhoods. Right. <laughs> to go and move to another state down south. And, and people and, love to say the North is crazy. Yes, and she <laughs> and goes down south and gets attacked. And they're like, wait, what? Right. But yeah, they were, um, I think for my brothers being raised to always protect me, that really hurt them, even though one of my brothers was still in New York. But still to this day, see him so upset. Is this is the story? Uh, my father, alpha male, really huge in stature. Um, that devastated him that like he couldn't protect me, and they couldn't get at him. You know they wanted to. You know you want that revenge. <laughs> I'm surprised y'all ain't put hands on the parents. Yeah. Yes, I know, right? I, I think my mother afterwards was just like, here it is. I was being nice, and right. these people really had. <laughs> yeah so yeah my, my whole family just devastated um just to see me as a different person and god bless your grandmother my god my grandmother who saved my life let me tell you a few years ago they um in virginia they gave her an award oh that was beautiful yeah named her citizen of the year beautiful Nah, that's because you know some people would have probably like reacted, and she and some people would have probably like tried to get him off of you. But that's why you have to like really like take your time and think and think what's the best solution because that that could have went left. It surely could have went left, and that that's what I try and tell people. As much as you want to be involved, the most important thing is to first protect yourself. Right. You have to protect. Because if you don't, how are you going to get help for the other person? Right. And we, we somebody got to be around. Somebody got to be around. Somebody right. got to make it right. Somebody got to right. be able to tell what happened. Right. Nobody would probably believe it. Especially so, since they, do, they yeah. do it on the Right. You got to know that there's a difference between someone just being, you know, mean and then there's crazy. Right. And psychotic. When someone's mean and psychotic, that's a whole different level of evil. Yeah. Wow. In 2012, he was sentenced to 35 years in prison at the age of 50. 
Do you feel like you receive your closure? Yeah, she's smiling hard. Thank you, Lord. Not just for me, but for other people as well. Yeah. And that, you know, that particular day, like, who knew after so many years? So many years. So many years. I never would have ever guessed in my life because I went on all those years from that, let me not get emotional, from the day that him and I went to court to the day that they called us and said, like, this was the final sentence. That injustice to me felt like I wish I had died. Right. And I felt like that's the only way that I would have gotten justice is if I would have died. Because they had something to prove it, unfortunately. So for 20 something years, I didn't talk about it. It was just like, who cares? Who's going to listen? I felt like in the beginning, I said, oh, I want to tell other people so they won't have to go through what I went through. But after a while, I felt like I didn't get justice. So how am I going to talk to somebody about making sure that you speak up? When I did speak up, I did testify, I did press charges, I did everything. Right. And y'all just let them go. Like nothing happened. But I think that's why your story is so beautiful because unfortunately, a lot of women can relate to that. They do everything right and they still don't get the justice that they deserve. Yes. And I just feel like for those, I know that everybody um, sometimes can't find the strength and they don't have the support system that I had to tell them, no, go ahead and press the charges. No, go ahead regardless. Because I do feel like now, like, it'll catch up. Had I not press charges or anything when he went to court this last time it would have been another slap on the wrist because they wouldn't have had the history right and um so it it was hard because like i said for for all those years those 20 25 years when i went to court and his lawyer said that was 25 years ago we really shouldn't even be visiting this wow i suffered for 25 years right I suffered for 25 years knowing that I couldn't join the military. It wasn't an option because of my injuries. No military was going to take me with a fractured skull. Then I had a fractured skull with a blood tumor brain. They had to take me. They're not going to take me that I used to have seizures. Right. Um, I struggled to take basic college courses sometimes because of my memory loss. Like, so... And like that affected me in in other relationships and everything. So for you to say 25 years ago, no, but for 25 years to go in day in and day out with nobody else knowing how many times I wished I wasn't here. Right. And so um, on that day, I didn't know. I knew testifying, I was doing it to try and help others. But I didn't know that that was where my plan and my purpose would would be revealed to me. And so what happened was, when I once I testified, I went back into the courthouse. I went back into the courtroom, like I left out, and then I came back in. And when I came back in, there was a lady. She walked in when I first walked in, and she was sitting on the edge. And I was really hoping that she would move over so I could really hear. 
because the judge he spoke kind of like quiet he wasn't loud mm. and I wanted her to kind of like move over but she didn't so I just had to sit next to her and hear what they were saying and come to find out that lady was a news reporter mm. and because the victim didn't come to court they asked me if I would give an interview so I was like uh right first time ever speaking out about it so I was just like it's in a newspaper and they were like yeah and I was like okay I'll do it it's in the newspaper no one will really be able to affiliate a lot of people don't read the newspaper right <laughs> so I was like okay I'll do it right little do you know I know right so I was like okay I'll do it and so I did the I did the interview right afterwards and then I got home no, I got to my grandmother's to go tell her what happened. Because for that whole year and a half, I didn't tell my grandmother. Mm. Nobody knew that I was going to be a surprise witness. Right. So I went to her house and I said, um, I just left court. And she was like, court? And I was like, yeah, with Kevin. And she was like, what? What did he do? And I said, he attacked somebody else. And she was like, oh. And then I started telling her, you know, like I knew about this for a whole year. Mm. A year and a half. Like, I just stayed silent. And then I told her, and then she was like a little worried about like, what if they, what if his friends or family want to retaliate and things like that. And I was like, well, that's why I didn't tell nobody for a year and a half. Because yeah, that's probably the best thing to do. It would have made me always be weighing that before time to testify. Right. So I told her, I said, that's why I didn't tell anybody. I didn't want anybody to try to change my mind. I didn't want this heavy on my mind. So she said, okay. She said, well, she said, she said, well, whatever you have to do in order to heal. Because this is your story. Exactly. And so from that point, they called and said that they needed um, they that they wanted to have me on the news that night, mm. and I was like, "Oh, that's going to be a whole different." You went viral. I see my face, and that's what happened. I did it, and it went viral. And that's how the television show came about. It went viral, um, but that was the beginning of my mm. purpose. From that point on. After the television show, I started realizing that this is much bigger than just testifying in court and to really help somebody, it's going right. to take a lot more. So I started uh, studying about domestic violence. I started, started studying laws. I started, started studying everything I could learn about signs. I started... Of course, it leads to sexual assault. It leads to about child abuse. Right. And I just started studying any and everything that I could. And I started volunteering at a shelter and then just different organizations. <laughs> I became an advocate. And here I am. Just, but I, um, God has showed me that everybody is not going to be at a conference. Right. It's not where your victims are. Because 
when God gave me the first television show, I was like, wow. So I prayed and said, God, please continue to blow my mind. So I guess he said, okay, you want me to blow your mind? So he gave me a second one. Wow. <laughs> and then he gave me a third one. Yeah, you are like everywhere. I'm like, come on now. I know. I, it's so, it's just, oh my God, I, I'm just so grateful. And I kept saying, wow, he, you know, I started realizing that different ones show different areas. Yeah. Thank God for repeats because everybody doesn't see it all at one time. So even for them to still keep showing it, I'm so grateful because people will still see it and reach out and say, hey, I just saw it. Right, right. And, and and you know what? Maybe at the time you might have even seen it the first time, but it, it didn't affect you. Right. But then, you know, years later, you see it again, and it may be a family member, maybe a friend, it may be a child, and maybe you that sees it, and they reach out to me, and and then that's where we go. I I just had two ladies yesterday that reached out to me that are in need. So I'm like, okay, now this is what we got to do. This is what you got to do. This is what should have happened. And I just found out where they, what state they're in. I don't care where you are in this world. Right. I will find out the information. I'll send it to you. I'll get you in touch with whatever organizations are in your area, whatever I got to do. But um, I had one young lady, it's like my daughter now. She... This what opened my eyes because sometimes we so involved in what's right in front of our face. Mm. She reached out to me and she said, I talk, I saw your television show, right? I saw you on TV and I was like, oh, okay, oh, that's great, da da da, you know. And I, while I was helping her, she didn't see it on TV. She saw it on YouTube. I was say she saw it on YouTube. Okay. And what happened was she wasn't allowed to look at TV at home. Wow. She saw it um, while she was at work. It was the only place that she could have Wait, where, where, Why she can't watch TV? Was she working? <laughs> she, oh, she, like on her break, I guess she watched it on her phone. Oh, okay. But he regulated her watching. Oh, she. I'm thinking she's living home with her parents. She lived at home with, uh, with a man. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So she wouldn't have never been able to watch anything like that at home. Right. Wow. Yo, men, I don't want to bash these men. She escaped that situation, but, um, and I never saw her face until the day she got to the airport. Wow. God bless her. We FaceTime. I was like, wow. Listen, not all superheroes wear capes, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Okay, we have a few more questions and I will let you go. Oh, I'm so sorry you... about that. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. But that's crazy. I, I'm really thinking that she at home with her parents. It didn't even dawn on me that it's, she's with her partner. And if he's not even allowing her to watch TV, then ain't no telling what else he's not allowing her to do or oh, what he's doing to her. The only thing she could do was go to work. Wow. That's heartbreaking. I'm just curious, do you think that domestic violence is going to ever come to an end? No. Mm. I don't know. Well, I would love for it to come to an end. 
I don't know if it ever will, but I think the one thing, I think the two things that need to happen, uh, first and foremost, it has to be more awareness. Right. And definitely different sentences, tougher mm-hmm. laws. Right, right. Um, but a lot of times what's so sad about it is regardless of the of the time, the jail sentences, a lot of times something that triggers in their mind, they don't care. Right. They don't care. And we see so many homicide suicides. Mm-hmm. Where they kill, they'll kill the woman, they'll kill the children, and then they kill themselves. Right. Seeing that a lot more. A lot more. I am seeing that a lot too. Yes, yeah. A lot more. And then there's a lot of them that's like, I'm going to kill you, and I know I'm going to jail, and I'm okay with that. Right. Yeah, that's scary. Unfortunately. So, you know, people often say that this can never happen to them. What are your thoughts on that? Domestic violence does not discriminate. Right. On age, race, race, religion, creed, uh, economic status. Uh, Of course, we all think that it'll never happen to you. A lot of times people think that they, they think that domestic violence is black and white. They think that it's going to be so, um, they think that the signs are so blatant and a lot of people are unaware of all of the signs. And that's why I try and raise the awareness. That's why that's the most important piece is the awareness. Mm-hmm. To know the different signs, to know a lot of. Uh, I just had a woman tell me yesterday. I didn't even know I was a victim mm. until they actually had it on the paper and said, you know, I was a victim, but I didn't feel like I was a victim. Mm. So a lot of people don't even know the signs. So of course, everybody feels invincible. Oh, I would never let a man do that to me. I would never let a woman do that to me. Of course, nobody wakes up and says, oh, yeah, just full, take advantage of me and treat me wrong and everything. But there's so many different types. It's not just the physical. Right. And it doesn't happen overnight. There's a grooming process. Mm. Mm. I, 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 whoever, when people say that, I would, I would never wish for it to happen to them. Right. Man, I'm just curious. How does this affect your your relationships with men? Like, is it hard for you, or was it hard for you to trust men? Oh, absolutely. Mm. And when you have, because I know you have three beautiful kids, mm-hmm. how has this affected them, or what do you hope that they re- will receive from your story? I hope they'll receive to. advocate with me <laughs> yeah um and definitely not do it themselves whether they're the perpetrator or a victim i don't want them to be on either side of that fence um, i don't know i guess just 
when I'm not here any longer just just to keep my legacy going. Right. No, they definitely will. I mean, you are everywhere, so. <laughs> and last but not least, what is some advice you would give to someone who feels that they might be in a dangerous relationship? And um, <laughs> first thing that came to mind was get out. Right. <laughs> That's not the answer. That's definitely not the answer. I would say um, seek help. Mm -hmm. And even that's very dangerous. It, it sounds so easy. Oh, get girl, get help. Boy, get help. No, that's not easy. Because like the, the victim I told you about, um, where your every move is calculated. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to get help. It's not easy. Because um, they study you so much so they know where your mood changes. Right. You know that it's something different. But if you can get help and figure out a way of how you can are able to get out of this situation, um, but you just have to be very strategic in how you do that and who you take. Right. And then the reason I say that is because... That's important. Yes. The, the reason I say that is because a lot of times these perpetrators, what they do is... They isolate you, but they also know who you can turn to. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I was in a relationship and my partner knew that I'm best friends with Ebony, and I tell you, I could be true. Right. Because that's going to be the first place that he's going to go. And let's just say that I happen to not tell you. But he still doesn't still put you in danger that he might kill you. Right. I just saw, uh, just was reading about uh, a case where the best friend kind of helped this, this young lady. And she didn't even know that she was being stalked. Mm. And they were watching, they put a track on us and everything. Wow. So it's just, I, I think I would just say, know the signs, try and seek some type of help. And if they are trying to leave, don't make an announcement. That would be. Don't make don't make the announcement. Mm -hmm. Don't make threats at all. Don't don't be like, oh, I'm gonna leave you. Or, I'm gonna go get my brother. Or, I'm gonna call my father. Like sometimes you get so enraged because you've been fighting for so long that it gives you the superpower type of strength that you. Right. Just, I'm not going to take this anymore. You, This is the last time you're going to ever put your hands on me. I'm going to call the police or I'm going to do this. And you're letting him know. Exactly what you're going to plan on doing. Yes. And domestic violence is about power and control. So once you put that out there. You lose your power in a sense. Losing your power. Because now he knows. Oh, that's what you plan on doing. So I'm going to beat you before you get to that. Right. Like, when I say beat you, beat you, 
reach like to the punchline. Right. Let that before you can call somebody, or before you can do this, or before you can do that. And my other advice would be whatever he tells you, believe it. Yeah. Believe it. Not only believe, uh, I think that people need to believe when somebody tells them that this is going on. And I think that victims need to believe when the perpetrator tells you something. If he's that type of person that's always threatening you and saying, I'll shoot you in the head. I'll kill your whole family. Believe me. Right. Take it as an idle threat. He means it. If he tells you, I, ha- I have a best friend. And he told her, I'll set you on fire. Years went by. He set on fire. For what? Douse her with gasoline. Wow. Is she okay? Did she, is she? She's alive. Wow. God is good, man. That is crazy. He had told her that for years of the day. That was just one of those things. Like he'd be like, "I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll set you on fire, I'll do that, I'll do." That. And he always thought, like, but okay, man. When people hear your story, you gonna, people ain't gonna be dating no more. <laughs> 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 then you talk about your homegirl with the fire, man. <laughs> After they tell you, just believe it and be safe. And if you do plan on leaving, don't don't take it as. Um, like, oh, I'll just be able to walk out because that's the most dangerous time. Right. And I I always used to tell people, like, nothing good happens late at night and you don't want to be alone and things like that. But in my situation, he knew we weren't alone. He was just different. He was, that was a demon. That's just pure evilness. Pure evil. Well, I appreciate you for sharing your story. I know when people hear this story, they are just going to be amazed and just, just wow. Like for it to take this long for you to get justice. And I'm telling y'all, she look good, y'all. Skin is glowing, teeth is white. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) I really appreciate you for telling your story. I'm so happy that we connected and I'm definitely going to keep in contact with you. so we can work on other things but you know i really do hope that these stories encourage people to like really pay attention if something don't feel right that means it is not right it's not right yes go with that gut instinct yes you got that instinct for a reason so that gut instinct that told me to turn around yeah crazy crazy but if y'all have any questions comments or concerns please make sure to email me at hello at the phgpodcast.com And until next time, everyone, happy new year. (laughs) Happy new year. Until next time, everyone, later. You're not going to say bye? Bye. (laughs) Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.
Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.